Welcome to Weston's Sermon Podcast of the Week. We're so glad you joined us today. If you've been encouraged by our ministry and would like to support us financially, you can do so at westonroadchurch.com slash give. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you enjoy this week's message. Good morning. Why don't we stand up to our feet before we get into the Word of God. It's a privilege to be here today. You know, I love my church. It's, it's important that you love your church. You are planted in a church. And uh, you know what? I, I love my church, but I also love getting out in the GTA because you know what? My church is really multicultural. And when I look at this church, I see a reflection of our city. Our cities are, are multicultural. And I believe, like Pastor said, uh, Spencer said, that's what heaven is going to look like. This is what heaven is going to look like. But I love, I love church. I grew up in church. My dad was a minister. And, you know, many people might have stories about how they grew up and they were disillusioned by the church or they experienced bad things. You know what? I've, I've learned that in life, there's ups and downs. And I've learned never to blame God, but to trust God. God's always come through for me. Always, God has always been there for me. God has always you know what, when, when the difficult times have come, I've had that foundation in my heart, in my heart, implanted by my parents, by the church, that God always is number one. If I keep him number one, he's going to make my path straight, and he's always going to be there for me. Let's pray real quick. Lord Jesus, I just thank you for this day. Lord, I thank you for your presence here today, because your word says that when we gather in your name, God, that your presence is here. It's, it's the power to save. It's the power to heal. It's the power to change perspectives. It's the power to shift our lives. And I thank you right now, Father, in this place, that you're going to do that, that you've been doing that. And, Lord, I just pray right now that even as we get into your word, God, even beyond the words that I speak, that your word, through your Holy Spirit, would change us, would challenge us, would speak to us. I pray that in the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. amen. Now turn to somebody and just give them a high five real quick. Give them a high five. Tell them they look fantastic. You guys look good today. You know, I, uh, here's the thing. Growing up in church, I, I grew up and I had, to, I had to always dress up. My mom would wake up. Early, early Sunday morning, my dad would be already at church, and I would have to dress up in a suit with a tie and all that kind of stuff. So when I got older, um, because I didn't think you were going to go to heaven unless you were wearing those things. So when I got older, um, I, uh, you know, I had this revelation in my heart because, you know, growing up in the spotlight, having to always seem to have things together always having to look the part. Um, God spoke to my heart. And, you know, I know it's really simple, and I know it, it actually is the Word of God. But for the longest time in my life, I was so concerned with what other people thought of me and measuring up to other people's expectation. But when I got the revelation that man looks on the outside, but God, he cares about the inside. And he looks at the inside of our lives. Now, that doesn't mean if you wear a suit. Listen, the, the only reason I probably 
am not wearing a suit is because I got bigger this year. God's been good. But I'll tell you this. I really, I really care what God thinks. And even in my ministry, I accept and I just receive the, the, I won't call it pressure. It's not a pressure. It's not a bad thing. But I feel that, you know what, I, everything that I have ready right now, I would, I would throw out the door if the Holy Spirit would just change the direction, the course, and speak exactly what we need to hear today. Because it's never about us. It's never about eloquence. It's always about the Spirit of God moving amongst us. I want to read this scripture. You guys don't have it back there. But John chapter 7, verse 37 through 41, it says this, On the last day, the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. By this he meant the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time, the Spirit had not been given since Jesus had not been glorified. I read that scripture because, I, I, because that is not the message that I came ready to talk about. But I, do, I, I sense this over, over this church, that God has made and called you to be a place of, of rivers of living water. Rivers of living water. I remember when I first received the Holy Spirit. I was a young lad. I was very young. I was at a Pentecostal camp in Nova Scotia called uh, Camp Evangeline. And I remember being at the altar. I was maybe six or seven years old. I was young. And I knew about Jesus. And I, and I used to, I remember going going to church Sunday morning. You know, I was a bad kid. My dad would call me out from the stage while, I, while he was preaching. He would say, he would say uh, uh, you know, deacon so-and-so, can you take my son out and spank him? <laughs> we can't spank people anymore. It's a, I can't spank our kids anymore. But that was a different day, wasn't it, <laughs> when we were young? We didn't call it anything except just it was what was necessary. Um, but I remember... On uh, Sunday evenings, we would have our Sunday services. And I remember the conviction of the Holy Spirit in my life. I remember, like, just sitting in church, and I probably wasn't even listening to what my dad or whatever, whoever was speaking was saying. But I could sense in the atmosphere the Spirit of God was drawing me. And, and even at a young age, the bad things. What, what was the worst thing I did when I was six years old? I lied to my parents. I don't even know what I did. But I remember feeling the conviction and going and getting at the altar and, and, and tears coming down my eyes. But, and that was the beginning. And then I remember going away to summer camp. And while I was there, they spoke about the infilling of the Holy Spirit. To young kids, young kids. Listen, I've, I've started to talk to my kids. I got a 12-year-old, I've got an 8-year-old, and I've got a 6-year-old. My 6-year-old little boy, he is a handful. 
I think over the past couple weeks, I've got a couple of phone calls from the school, one from the principal, one from his teacher. And, you know, I just, you know, I'm not saying that I'm reaping what I sowed back when I was young, <laughs> but he is kind of a chip off the old block. <laughs> and uh, it's funny because my parents are retired and uh, from the ministry, and they actually live in my house, in my basement. I have an, uh, an apartment set up, so they live with me. And, um, and I get these phone calls, and then I go and I talk to my parents, and my mom just laughs. She's like, I knew you were going to get it. <laughs> I knew it. <laughs> oh. I remember being at the altar at kids' camp, and uh, a lady named Bonnie Bonnie Raymer, she came up and she, uh, she said, Nevin, do you know why you're here? And I said, yes, I, I'm here. I want to be prayed for. I see everybody else being prayed for. And, um, and she said, I'm going to pray for the Holy Spirit to fill you from the top of your head to the bottom of your feet. I'm just going to pray this prayer and we're going to see what God does. And she prayed for me and you know what happened to me? I fell down. I fell right down to the ground. <laughs> and you know what she did? She picked me up. She goes, I'm going to pray for you again. She prayed for me, and I fell down. Now, I'm just a, I'm just a little kid. I don't know what's going on. And she, she, then she stopped, and she whispered in my ear, and she said, you don't have to fall down. And I said, I, I don't, I'm not trying to. <laughs> but that day, the Holy Spirit filled my life. Now, I don't, I'm, I'm just going to, it's like a shot in the dark here, but when a church has Pentecostal in its name, when a church, now there's a lot of churches now that they've, they've you know what, let's just take the Pentecostal out so that we're very uh, inclusive to everybody who's seeking like being Pentecostal is offensive or something. It's not offensive. It's a distinctive. Meaning, I believe that the presence of God marks our lives. I believe we are supposed to be about the presence of God. And here's what happens. Here's what happens when when the Holy Spirit, like we read, when Jesus said, rivers of living water will flow in them. You know what happens? See, I, in, my, in my town in British Columbia, I live in the mountains. I love the mountains. You know what? When I look at the snow around here, I think it is useless. Because I grew up. You know, I was born in Nova Scotia, but then I moved into the interior of British Columbia where within an hour of my house were six different snowboarding and in, in, in huge mountains where you can go snowboarding and get lost for the whole day. You can, you can take, the, take the chairlift up and snowboard down, and then you take the chairlift up again, and by the time you get up to the top, your tracks are already covered over. There's so much snow. So whenever anybody asks me, because I here's the deal. I moved to Hamilton from California. I lived in San Diego, California. The Lord had called me there, and I loved serving there. I loved the church there. 
And I love the fact that outside of my window was a palm tree, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. Listen, I loved San Diego. And then God called me to Hamilton. Now, I don't know why God did that. Some called me crazy. Some, literally, some called me crazy. I remember sitting, I remember sitting with, uh, I remember sitting with a pastor. And uh, actually, I had, I had decided I was going to, uh, I had decided God had called me away from the church I was at in San Diego. I had been there for eight years. All my kids were born in California. So they're dual citizens. Um, and, but when I first moved there, like it was a big church and there was a lot, it was really fast paced and there was a lot of responsibility. And, and as the years went by, my responsibility even increased. But the problem was that, and it wasn't real, it wasn't like my kids aren't a problem, but I, I started having kids. And, and I, my life was so driven by my work environment that I was having to choose between work and kids. And there was so much pressure. And, and how can that be in church? I don't even know how that can be in church. But... But anyway, I got, we were having our third kid, and I felt the Lord say, Nevin, it's time for a change. It's time for a change. And so me and my wife begin to pray, and we begin to, uh, you know, just talk to our friends and our family. And, and, and it's funny, when I decided that I was done, that I was going to be moving on, I started getting lots of calls from different places just because I have lots of friends that I went to school with, and there are different places around the U.S., and, and I never did think I was going to come back to Canada. Um, but I got a call from, from Hamilton, and, uh, and the pastor said, hey, we're in some transition. We'd like you to, to come and visit. And uh, he, they had called me, like, every year for the previous three years, <laughs> I think. And every year they called me, they said, hey, we would like you to come and visit us. We're, we're like, and, and I would just laugh. I'd be like, there's no way I'm moving to Hamilton from California. There, I'm not coming back to Canada. I'm never going to do that. It's funny how when you, like, when you are, um, when you prioritize God's presence and you prioritize uh, the spirit of God in your life, how your life can shift and change. It can shift and change. Where in one season, things aren't an option or a door is closed, but in the next season, it seems like things have shifted. It's not because you're crazy and you're double-minded. It's because you're following the Spirit. You're following God's leading. And, and back three years previous, I wasn't open. I was in a good place. I was right where the Lord wanted me. But things had shifted and changed in my life, and God was speaking to me. And, and I was listening to the Spirit of God, and it began to shift and change. You know what that is? The river. The river of God. The river of living water. You know, my town in, in B.C., we're up in the mountains. And, and in the summertime, when the... That would be horrible, wouldn't that? Your guitar just smashed all over the ground. Now, in the summertime, in the mountains is, is also amazing, but you don't dare jump in the river right in like June because 
all the water is melting from on top of the mountain, and it's glacier fed, and it's freezing. It's so cold. It will shock you to death. Now, here's, here's the thing that I recognize about rivers. Rivers have the ability, first of all, I, I believe that rivers, wherever there's a river, there's life. I've seen that. When you see rivers, rivers flowing through things, a stagnant body of water, it can have water flowing into it and water not flowing out, and there will be, it will, it will become stagnant. It's not enough that you have the river of God, the water, the Holy Spirit flowing into you. There has to be an outlet in your life. There has to be a willingness to do and act and respond to God. The second thing is this. When I think about rivers, I know that rivers have the ability to change, to create change. Now, I, I've seen rivers one year be like... I, I know in our town we have this, uh, we had this bridge, and it was going over, it was called the Goat River. The Goat River, I love that river, the Goat River. And the river, one year, was flowing down and, and along the banks, and, and everything was great. The next year, though, the river, for whatever reason, the water was so strong, it changed course, and it bypassed the bridge. It actually wiped out the bridge. It shifted and changed. It brought down trees. It, it, so instead of, instead of going this way, straight, all of a sudden it, the river shifted courses. It washed out houses. Water has the ability to shift and change. The Spirit of God in our life shifts and changes. The river of living water in you has the ability to shift and change. So here I am, a number of years later, I'm in Hamilton, Ontario. Because I believe throughout my life, I've listened, I've said, I want your spirit more than anything else, God. I want your presence more than anything else, God. In the river of living water. So I say all that to say this. I believe that Weston Road Pentecostal Church, I believe the people of this church, that God has said, I have made you, I've put in you a river of living water. A river of living water. And in you, you, this church is a source of life. This church is changed and may, you know, I don't actually, I don't know much about this church. I met Pastor Jonathan over the phone. We have mutual friends, people that, people that we know. And he reached out to me to come to, to share the word today. But I do, I believe that God is bringing, has brought about and is bringing about change. He's putting this church exactly in the place where it needs to be. He's, he, he, God has been at work from the time this church began to now, and he's going to be at work in the future. But this is a place of life, a place of change. And the third thing I believe about this church is it's a place of progress. A, a river is always moving. 
is always moving forward. And I, I guess what, what I, I, I'm calling every single person in this place, every single person, to say, I want to be a part of that and I want to let the river flow in me. I want the river of God to flow in me. So I just want to speak that over, over you guys, over this church. Now here's, what time is it? 11.37. So he said I could speak till 3? Is that true? So I had, I had that word. I had that word that I wanted to speak over just this church. Now the message that I, God laid on my heart to share is called this. Shall we dance? Now, how, we're pretty traditional here. I don't know if we dance. Do we dance? I don't know. I wasn't allowed to go to dances when I was a kid. It was like dancing leads to worse things. I think about the, the, the opportunity to dance. I, when I, I like to watch movies. Some movies stick out in my head. And I also like to play sports. When I think about being on the, on the brink of an opportunity about something that's coming my way, or when I'm about ready to go on the field, I played rugby, I played football, and I played basketball. I loved the huddle before the game. I loved the moments before the game where I was standing there and we were huddled up and some crazy person is on the middle, in the middle just saying, are you, we're going to do this, we're going we're gonna to go out there and we're going to hit him hard and we're going to do, and, and, and I love those moments. And then all of a sudden it was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then all of a sudden break and we just charge wherever we're going. I remember this movie, it's called Gone in 60 Seconds, this guy named Nicolas Cage. He, it's not a good movie, but, but, but they were a bunch of car thieves and he had this theme music that he would play before they went out and they, and they did their job, whatever they had to do. And they would have this theme music. It was, I don't even know what it was. But they would play it and he would just stand there, just waiting. And the theme music would go. And then he'd take his hands. He'd put his fingers up and he'd go, let's go. Let's do this. Let's dance. Let's go for it. Recently, I heard a, a pastor, because this was on my mind, I heard a pastor, he was, and he was talking to me, he was telling me about a meeting that he had with an older gentleman, and this older gentleman um, talked to him and, 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 and just told the pastor, he was very open and honest, he said, Pastor, I realize right now that I'm at the place where not all of my dreams that I've had in my life are going to come true. When I heard, the, when I heard that, I, I thought, whoa, here's this elderly gentleman being honest with the pastor. He's saying, I understand that I'm at the point in my life right now where maybe my, my best and most fruitful years are, are, are gone. And I realize I'm not gonna, I'm, the dreams, maybe all the dreams that I've had in my heart, I've missed the opportunity. Basically, he was saying to the pastor, 
throughout life, I've had opportunities. And, and when I think about this idea of dancing, don't miss the dance. Don't miss your opportunity to dance. Basically, I feel like this guy was saying, when I've had the opportunity to either sit or dance, I wish I would have danced. I wish I wouldn't have sat it out. You know, every single one of us have opportunities like that. We have opportunity of, uh, upon opportunity. We have choices. You know what? I believe that even in our lives right now, some of us are facing you know, opportunities where we're on the edge of something and we're, and, and, and we're looking at it and we're having to decide, am I going to jump in? Am I going to go all in? Am I going to do this? We have these moments in our life where decision and choice are before us. And we have to ask ourselves in those moments, am I going to sit or am I going to dance? You know what? My, 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 I don't want to wake up at the end of this life and realize that I missed out on all that God had for me. Listen, to put it even, even closer in perspective, I don't want to wake up at the end of this year and, and realize that I had, there were opportunities that I could have taken advantage of, but I missed out because I wasn't willing. I wasn't willing to dance. The text this morning is Numbers chapter 13, verses 1 through 3, and then 26 through 33. I'll read it to you. It says this. And the Lord said to Moses, send some men to explore the land of Canaan which I am giving to the Israelites. For each ancestral tribe, send one of its leaders. So at the Lord's command, Moses sent them out from the desert of Paran. All of them were leaders of the Israelites. And so they go to the land here, so they go to the land and they, and they find grapes and they find other fruit. They search for 40 days. And then they come back to all of Israel, they come back to Moses and they report, and this is what it says in verse 26. They came back to Moses and Aaron and the whole Israelite community at Kadesh in the desert of Paran. There they reported to them and to the whole assembly and showed them the fruit of the land. They gave Moses this account. We went into the land to which you sent us, and it does flow with milk and honey. Here is its fruit. But the people who live there are powerful, and the cities are fortified and very large. We even saw the descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites live in the Negev. The Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites live in, in the hill country. And the Canaanites live near the sea and along the Jordan. And then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, We should go up and take possession of the land. For we can certainly do it. I love that guy. I love that guy. Here, all the, all, the other, all the other spies were like, you know, here's the proof that it is a great place. There's, look at these grapes. Massive grapes. All this fruit. It, it's flowing with milk and honey. In the next phrase, they say, but the, there are there are powerful giants there. There are powerful giants. In verse 31, but the men who had gone up with him said, we can't attack those people. They are stronger than we are. 
And they spread among the Israelites, they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land that they had explored. They said, the land we explored devours those living in it. All the people we saw there were of great size. We saw the Nephilim there. We seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes. And we looked the same to them. That's another part of that scripture that sticks out to me. We seem like grasshoppers in our own eyes. And it was the same to them. You know that story. You know this story. All of Israel was on the edge of the promised land. God had said he, he, he's going to give them this land. They had been freed from Egypt and God had brought them to this point. Yet instead of trusting God, instead of taking hold of the promised land, they rebelled. Moses and Aaron tried to reason with the people and they almost got killed. And then Moses, Moses has a dialogue with God because God is determined to pour his wrath out on, on, on Israel. But Moses pleads with God, pleads with God, and God listens. And he doesn't destroy the nation of Israel, but he decrees that no one who disobey and listen to the ten negative spies will ever see the promised land. They missed their opportunity to dance. The ten missed their opportunity. And so many more missed their opportunity because of them. But why? You know what, in our lives, I, and even in this passage, I, I've come to understand that, you know what, giants can be powerful. Giants can be powerful. Giants are, are when, when there's all these reasons why the next move doesn't make sense. All the reasons why you won't succeed. You're on the edge of something. Maybe you feel God is calling you to make a move or to do something. And, and at the, in the same moment, there's all of these reasons why it's not going to work, why it's not a good idea, why it's easier to stay where you are. All these reasons why it might be better to go back. You know what? Giants can be powerful. The other thing I, I recognize about this little passage here is, is this, that negative people are powerful too. Negative people. You know what? We need to be careful about who we allow to speak into our lives. We do. And we need to make sure we surround ourselves with people that are spirit-led, spirit-filled. When I need to make a decision, you know who I go to? I go to the prayer warriors, the people who I know are praying and calling out to God. And I bounce things off of them. And I don't always like what they have to say. Because it doesn't always go with what I want I'll tell you, when I was struggling with going to Hamilton, I bounced it off people, and they said, you know what, you're, you, you're supposed to do that. And I go, I don't want to hear that. I like my palm trees. I can go visit my parents in the mountains anytime I want. I like the palm trees. But the more I prayed and the more I talked with people and the more we, we dissected what was going on inside my heart, my spirit, and my wife and her heart, we realized that God was moving things and his spirit within us was shifting and changing the direction of where we were at. I 
I got a call from my sister. It was a couple, no, it was a little while ago, actually, more than a couple weeks. What are we in, February now? It was the beginning of this year. And, uh, you know, you know, she's my little sister. Anybody have siblings that are younger? Anybody? You know, my sister is less than a year younger than me. We have always just fought with each other. But we love each other to death. I was out, I was out uh, in November in uh, Trail, B.C. My sister and her husband are the pastors of a church out there. And I spoke at their church, and, and I got to see my sister. I hadn't, hadn't been around her for a long time because I lived in the States for probably 13, 14 years. And, you know, we would see each other on the holidays. But here I am at the church, and, um, and I see her ministering, and I was just blown away by what God was doing in her and through her. And here, so at the beginning of the year, and this is how brothers probably always are and always will be, but, but she says this, and I know I, she says, I think I'm supposed to quit my job. Now, she's a nurse. She makes good money. She also has a, a lot of debt. She has, you know, debt from going to school. It costs a lot of money to go to school these days in case you didn't realize that. Anybody have any debt from that kind of thing? Now, listen. So, so she says, you know what? I, I feel like God has told me that I'm supposed to quit. And I'm supposed to trust him. And I'm supposed to give myself to the ministry. Well, she has been out of school for three years. And they've done a great job at... at uh, you know, cutting down their debt, and they are very good with money. But you know what my first thought was when she said that? I thought, you're crazy. I'm like, and you know what, in my, in my even like it came out of my mind and out of my mouth, and I'm like, well, what about money? I mean, why, and here I am, supposed to be a spirit-led person, encouraging people to follow God. And I am like, you're crazy. You're crazy. And she is just like, like God is just speaking to her. Hmm. I think I was one of those negative people to my sister. But then God spoke to me and said, Nevin, you... You don't know everything. And the things in the natural, that's, that's just the natural. When God's up to something in your life, you got to be careful who you allow to speak into your life. People who are committed to doing God's will. Now, my sister's great because I can go back to her and I can say, listen, if God's called you to do this, everything's going to be okay. If God's called you to make the leap, you need to make the leap. You need to dance. You need to go for it. Don't sit this one out. Don't wait till the end of the year and look back and say, I wish I would have danced. Don't do it for the money. Do it because God has called you and he's calling you out. He's calling you to a new level of trust and a new level of faith. He's calling you because he wants to expand you. He wants to give you influence. He wants to do new things in your life. In Numbers 14, verse 20, the Lord replied. He replied to Moses' plea for mercy. 
And the Lord replied, he said this, I have forgiven them as you have asked. But then in verse 21 it says this, nevertheless, nevertheless. I read this passage and I just think, our culture and even our Canadian laid-backness has bought into the lie that the opportunity waits for us. Meaning that when I'm ready, the opportunity is always going to be there. Don't pressure me. Don't, you know what, on my time, it's okay. No, 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 we don't need to have... There's not a window for the opportunity. The opportunity depends on me, and that's not the case. The enemy would love us to believe the lie because it's his strategy, and it's the thought that when I want to do it, the opportunity will be there, and that's just not the case. Because it says this, Nevertheless, as surely as I live and as surely as the glory of the Lord fills the whole earth, not one of the men who saw my glory and the miraculous signs I performed in Egypt and in the desert, but who disobeyed me and tested me ten times, not one of them will ever see the land I promised them on oath to their forefathers. No one who has treated me with contempt will ever live. The thing that I grab from that is that even though God forgave them, they still missed their opportunity. Listen, you and I are supposed to be in step with the Spirit. You are uniquely, each individual in this room, you are uniquely gifted and called by God. He created you as crazy and as weird as you are. Did I just say that? As crazy and as weird as I am. As unique as I am, as unique as you are, he loves you. He loves everything about you, and he's created you unique. You have a calling, a plan. There is a purpose. There is something out in front of you. There is a next step. You're not called to just sit in these nice new pews, by the way. I do. I see a new season for this church. I believe every investment that you have made has been with the right heart and the right intention. I believe there's going to be a harvest in this church of people coming to know Jesus. I believe that. Can I just speak that out over this place? I felt it when I walked in the door. I know. I Listen, I believe there is an outpouring of the Spirit of God, and he's looking for hearts and for communities of faith that are ready to receive and are open to receiving. Those people that are broken and lost and dysfunctional and bringing them in to having them built up, built up, saved and built up. The best days are ahead for this church in Jesus' name. But we don't want to miss our opportunity. The ten died and the promise died with them. And the rest of the nation came back saying, it's funny, the rest of the nation came back saying, now we see, now we're ready, let's go. Listen, that can be pretty heavy. But I believe the good news is that we don't have to miss God's will. And we can make sure that we don't miss the opportunities that God has for us. And in, in, in Numbers 14, verse 24, I love this scripture. It says this, but because my servant, Caleb, has a different spirit and follows me wholeheartedly, 
I will bring him into the land he went to, and his descendants will inherit it. Caleb had a different spirit. How can you and I make sure we don't, we, that we seize these opportunities and we don't miss out? The first is this. We have to have a spirit-led resolve. A spirit-led resolve. Caleb had a spirit-led resolve. The spirit of God was in him. It's only the spirit of God that when you come up against giants that are massive and, and armies that are massive, that a spirit-led resolve is a resolve that says, no matter what I see, God said, it is so, and I can do it. Caleb had a different spirit. He said, surely, hey, there's lots of giants and all this bad stuff, and it does look pretty, pretty bleak, but we need to just go do this because God said we could do it. Where are the people in our day and age that believe God and take him at his word? We need to be those people. You are called to be that person. That you believe what God says regardless of what you see in the natural. No matter what you see in your family or in, in maybe your kids have wandered away from the faith. Maybe you're experiencing in, in, incredible difficulties. Maybe there's physical challenges. I remember, um, I remember this one Sunday morning when we lived in San Diego. Must be about nine years ago. We had multiple services, and I came home between the second and third service. We had four services on a Sunday. I came home between the second and third services because I was leading worship, and whenever I lead worship, I sweat a lot. And I went home to change for the next two services. When I got home, I walked in, and I heard my wife crying. And my little girl, Emma, was saying, Daddy, Daddy, you need to help Mommy. And I walked into the bathroom, and my wife was bleeding on the ground. And I was like, oh, my goodness. I didn't know what was happening. I took her. I, I, I got her up. I took her to the hospital right away. And, and they rushed her inside. And they did an examination. They did an examination. And they came back. And now, now listen to this. They came back. The doctor said this. The doctor said, it seems like you have an STD, a sexually transmitted disease. I think God has a sense of humor because my wife looked at me and was like, what's interesting, they discharged us. We went home. My wife is still having a lot of pain, but bleeding had stopped. On Monday morning, we called her, her doctor, and the doctor was like, what are you talking You need to come, and, and we're going to do some tests right now. And uh, so we went to the doctor, and I was like, God, what are you doing? What, what's happening here? Plus, my wife is suspect with me now. Like, you know, I, my wife is in pain and whatever, and then she's looking at me like, what did you do? 
and we go to the doctor. I remember coming out of the doctor, and the doctor, uh, or, or I, I remember the doctor coming out and saying, Nevin, we got a problem. Your wife has this tumor inside of her. It's the size of a grapefruit. And we're going to have to do surgery. And I was like, Phew. I was shocked. I was scared. I was grateful that it wasn't an STD because my wife wasn't suspect of me anymore. But here we had a whole new set of fears. So for the next, it was four days later, she was going to go into surgery. And we prayed. In fact, I remember when I found her on the ground, I prayed, God, I pray that you would touch my wife. I pray that you would touch her. I pray that you would touch her body right now and that you would heal her. And I picked her up off the ground. We went to the hospital. Then they gave us the diagnosis. That was wrong. Then we went to her doctor, and, and the doctor said, she's got a tumor. So we went through surgery, and, and uh, I was in the, in the waiting room. I was sitting with my pastor, and um, the doctor came out, and the doctor was like, oh, my goodness. You know, we've never seen this before, but actually what happened was your wife had an atopic pregnancy, and she ruptured completely. Her tube completely ruptured inside. And they said it's a miracle that she didn't bleed to death internally. But what had happened is it all sealed up in there. Now listen, for the whole week, I was stressing. I was thinking about all the what-ifs, all the negative stuff, all the... but. But when I reflect on it, you know what happened? When we first met the challenge and I found my wife on the ground, I prayed to God. I prayed, God, heal my wife. And it was a week later after I stressed out through the whole thing and I was, st I was stressing out and we were so fearful, we were thinking about all the what ifs that we realized that God had already intervened when we first prayed and we first believed. I'm going to tell you today that God, that God is up to something. And he's looking for people with a different spirit, a spirit-led resolve. The second thing is this, a heart that's completely devoted to him. A spirit-led resolve in a heart that's completely devoted to him. It says this about Caleb. He had a different spirit, and he follows me wholeheartedly. Wholeheartedly. Now, some people look at this, and they were like, they, they might say, you know what, I need to have a Caleb spirit, or I need to have a promised land spirit to take the promised land, or I need to have a take the land spirit. And all of those are characteristics of what Caleb had. But the most compelling characteristic of Caleb's spirit was his wholehearted devotion to God. He, was, he would follow God no matter what because it was deep down in his heart and in his spirit. He belonged to God. It wasn't even a matter of what he saw. It was the fact that God said, I want you to do this. 
And he was going to be obedient regardless of what he saw. You know what? I think this is another contributing factor to you experiencing all that God has for you. First, having a different spirit, being led by the spirit, but also having a resolve, being wholeheartedly devoted to God that no matter what you face, no matter what storms come your way, no matter what your outlook is, that you are going to go forward because God is calling you forward. Caleb's heart was full of devotion to God. He loved God, and that's a determining factor. What's common in our society is a divided heart. What's common in our society is I want all that God has for me, but not if it messes with my comfort. Is this true or not? I want all that God has for me, but not if it requires me to give something up. I want all that God has for me, but not if it requires me to trust God. Not if, it, not if I have to fight for it. I just want to tell you something. Laying hold of the promises of God for your life are never going to be easy. Never going to be easy. Can anybody testify to that? But it's so, so worth it. It's so worth it. It's worth your devotion. It's worth your devotion. God is worthy of my life. Everything I have. He's worthy of it all. And I truly want all that God has for me. I want to be used by God. You might be different, but as I get older, I, want, I look back on some of the decisions I've made in my life. And I'm so happy that I, I was game. I was all in. I could care less. Listen, when I moved, I, I told you, when I moved to Hamilton, I had people to take me aside. I had this one pastor. I was resigning the next day, and this pastor called me. He said, don't resign. I, I want to talk to you. So I go and meet him at a Starbucks, and he says, Nevin, what are you doing? Don't resign at this church. Wait. He's like, don't go to Hamilton. How many people are in the church at Hamilton? I'm like, 500? He's like, don't do that. You can't go backwards. You're at a church of 3,000. You can't go to a church of 500. He's like, you need to go to this church. We will hire you. You'll, you'll do this, this, this. You can even just work at this church for a year. Don't leave. Just work at this church for a year, and you'll get their name on your resume, and you'll be set. Do you know what happened? I left, and I was like, God, I know there's a reason why I was born a Canadian. Because we don't think the same way. <laughs> I'm not trying to build a reputation. I'm trying to follow the leading of the Spirit of God. I just want to be in the center of God's will. I want to say yes to God. It doesn't have anything to do with those things. Those are, the you know, peop, you, unique people are called to unique things and different things. I'm just trying to be obedient to God. I'm trying to be the best example I can be to my kids. I'm trying to be the best husband, the best father I can be. I'm trying, those are what's important. It's not about reputation. It's not about all these other things that the world says. I'm so glad that I've said I'll dance. Listen, it isn't even about Hamilton. I've told God, I'll leave. 
I'll go anywhere you call me. I'll do whatever you call me to do. And it doesn't surprise me that my sister is willing to quit her job because, you know what, I moved a lot when I was young because I, my parents moved all over the place. <laughs> they were always moving and saying yes. So we need to be, have a spirit that resolve and wholeheartedly devote it to God. And the third thing that I believe that Caleb had was he had a revelation of God's goodness and faithfulness. Listen, when you have seen God move in the past, when you've seen God come through, and when that's down in your heart, you know that you can trust God. I believe there was a revelation and he had clarity. He knew that God was with them. He had seen God's hand in the past. And even though he was facing adversity, he knew he could trust God's character. Can I tell you something? You can trust God. You can trust his word. And here's my suggestion, and I'm going to wrap it up with this because I'm in overtime. That's what we like to call it when it, at my church, overtime. Two things. Yes, I believe he was spirit-led. He was wholeheartedly devoted. But it was this revelation. Listen, I, I believe one of the keys to pursuing the calling of God and trusting that he's got you and he's not going to let you fall is that we need to have a file in our life. A file. Do we have filing cabinets? Anybody have a filing cabinet at their house anymore? Or do we do everything on our smartphones and our computers? Either a physical file, a mental file, or a file on your computer. You need a God file. You need a God file. You know, David had a God file. When he was facing Goliath, what did he say? I've slayed the bear and the lion. I can take this giant. He had a God file. Caleb had a God file. He saw God part the sea. He saw it, and, he, he, and, and so he had a God file, a, a file of God's faithfulness, that God showed up. And in my life, I, I have that God file. I told you the story about my wife. I have a God file. I have a new trust and appreciation for prayer because I prayed, and, and normally, normally someone that has a tube rupture inside of them, they're going to bleed and die. But I prayed and God moved. And I didn't know it till a week later, but that taught me something. That even before I knew the outcome, God was already at work. So I can trust God. I got that in my God file. I've got many more things in my God file. The second file you need is a, a file for God's promises. I think we got, we've gotten really good at going to church and hearing the pastor speak. But I want to challenge you. God's word is full of life and promises for you. And I've been trying to help my kids memorize scripture. Memorizing scripture is important. In the moment, you might know, not know what it's worth and what it's for. But let me tell you something. When you come up against a giant, you're going to need to know the word of God. 
to correct your perspective and correct your fear. So we need a God's promises file. And we create that file when we get into God's word and we make it personal. And I can't tell you how many times I've needed God's word to help and encourage me. But listen to what Psalms 119 says. It says, 119.50, your promise revives me. It comforts me in my troubles. My encouragement is don't wait till you need to find a promise. But fill your mind and your heart with the word of God so that you have something to draw from when you face adversity and trials. Can we stand to our feet? Lord, I just thank you for overtime. I thank you for the grace of these people that I've spoken to today. Lord, I, I know, I know. God, I know that you use your word to encourage us. And Father, I pray that if there be anyone in here today that just, they might feel that God, they've missed it or they've, they've sat it out. I pray that you would just remind them that you are a God of grace and mercy. And God, even though that we can't change the past, God, we can resolve to living different in the future. We can repent and we can live different. Father, I just thank you right now for the things on the horizon in front of your people. I don't know if you feel comfortable, but I'm just going to ask you to just raise your hands in this place. If you feel comfortable, just raise your hands. I'm just going to pray for the anointing of God to just permeate your mind, your heart, your spirit. Father, I thank you for your spirit. God, I thank you for a new revelation, a new direction, a clarity in their hearts and in their minds. I thank you for the new thing that you have for them. God, I pray that you would give them divine strategy. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would fill them with your power. Father, I pray that there would be a river that would flow from deep within, that they would, that they would stir it up, that they would tap into it, that, God, they wouldn't let it run dry, but, Lord, they would stir it up. And I just bless them right now. I bless their walk with you. I pray that it would be vibrant, that it would be vibrant, and I pray that it would spill over in their life to their family, to their workplace, their co-workers, to their, to their extended family, to their friends, to the people on the street. God, I thank you that there is a river, a mighty river flowing in this place. So God, I just bless you today. We bless you and we thank you. Continue speaking to your people, Lord. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. amen. Let's give it up for Jesus one more time in this place. Thank you so much for listening to the Sermon of the Week. God wants to work in your life, and we want to hear about it. Please take a moment to share your story by emailing amen at westernroadchurch.com. Thanks again for joining us. We hope listening to this week's message has equipped you to be the light wherever you go.